What up, world? My name is Miles Xavier. I'm joined here today by my brother's way, aka Chestnut Tones. This is the space where the vulnerable are powerful, and the most gangster thing you could do is serve. The Autoway Live Podcast. Every week. My brother Miles Xavier, we dedicate ourselves to doing something we have become, that we have come to love so much, which is talking to y'all. This is the All The Way Live podcast, like my brother said, and what we do is provide carefully curated conversations for your cranium by investing our time into learning, researching, understanding, unpacking some cool and interesting topics, and we bring it, bring it to y'all. And we do this for the sole reason of wanting to be a positive space a space for energy that people can come to because we know depression rates are real high. We know that loneliness is chronic and we know that a lot of people are, are going through it. I just read recently, Miles, that loneliness is twice as deadly as obesity. Damn, that's crazy. And like counterintuitive because obesity is so directly, uh, first of all, it's so visible. And we can understand the ways it directly correlates with the deterioration of your physical health, right? But loneliness, I ain't going to ask you to explain the mechanisms <laughs> that, 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 that explain why uh, loneliness can, can be deadly or life-threatening, but that is alarming. Um, and I know you as somebody who just jumped to uh, an unfamiliar place to accomplish some of your academic goals, right? Like... That was something you put yourself at risk of. Um, and so that strikes my heart thinking of you. So like, dang, I hope you good. I hope all the lonely people out there is good. Uh, hold your head. Definitely. And we do that, man, so people can come here, uh, get some of this positive energy. We do it every single week. And this week, it ain't no different. Coming with that hot, caliente content. Y'all know the vibes, man. You see the sage burning, the sage burning. Shout out to the YouTube audience. Uh, we really, we really curating in every way possible, always elevating. Um, so shout out to y'all for listening and, and enjoying this journey with us. You know what's going on. Exeter is in the building. Uh, I relish the opportunity to say that. You know, we acknowledging that it's one of the last few times we saying that as my brother uh, is finished with classes, only got finals. That's correct. That's correct. We done wrapped up classes of this master's program, and now we're staying finals in the face. It's all about getting uh, the mind ready, you know, getting the mind ready to just go through it, end it up, man. It's a it's a pleasure to have taken this journey with the people. And well, these finals are about to get bodied. They don't stand a chance. Shout out to all the students out there heading into final season. Uh, Y'all got a few, like a month and a half left, and then it's summertime. So shout out to all the all those chasing the education out there. Um, but you also know what's going on. Chicago is in the building. This podcast is recorded on stolen land. Uh, this this land was cared for by the Potawatomi people, the Council of the Three Fires, and the violence done to remove them from this land is inseparable from the violence that we see in the city today, this country today, and this world today. So with that, we lift up love for indigenous people the world over. We lift up love for black and brown people the, wo the world over. And also, we love you. Shout out to you, man, out there. Like that, the intro's over. What we getting into, Zay? 
Hey man, you know, we don't go any further than without acknowledging impact and the people that are doing impact because that's what this show is for, is to highlight people doing that good work. And last week we touched on Make a Girl, which was great. Uh, we also touched on the Black Woman for Black Lives, the ladies that were helping the students, the Black and African students that were trapped in Ukraine when the war happened, helping them to get out. Um, and so what we wanted to do for this particular episode is to be able to share a bit more about what Livehouse means to us and the space that we have curated in terms of um, what what we hope to achieve with our platform Livehouse. Man, it's so cool to be able to look at this and see our Instagram page populated. For those of y'all who don't know, we are not super social media savvy dudes. So this is this is work for us. This is effort. This is outside of our comfort zone um, and what we've been able to do and no and no small part due to you Zway, my brother has taken on uh you know the reins of creating this aesthetic um creating a schedule for us to post impact spotlights look at them there looking amazing you know what i'm saying suited and booted you know giving the information to the people um and so yeah man to just be able to bring that information to the forefront in a cool way in a stylish way that represents us i got to give you your credit for for pushing us to to populate this page and I love what it's looking like. Thanks, man. And it's, it's really has been a pleasure. What we want, what we said we wanted to do coming into this year is take it a step further with the platforms that we have access to and the things that we can do to promote other people. At the end of the day, we really are trying to create a dope space that's reflective of our artistic interests the music we enjoy the art we we enjoy because we do spend a lot of time in those types of spaces but then tailoring it towards impact tailoring it tailoring it towards highlighting and spotlighting the people that we find dope and by virtue of that the more value that we can provide to other people the more value of a platform that we have so it's a pleasure to do it with you as well as you can see my brother miles on the podium right here delivering some bars to the people yeah, man, it's incredible. It's incredible the ways in which um, this entire process has served my ability to serve others, right? Breaking down the spaces like that uh, represent like barriers to me, you know, and fears and, and putting myself more out there has allowed me to be more comfortable in different environments at work, uh, has allowed me to take on different roles and more responsibility with at least and at least seem like I know what I'm doing because of the conversations we've had here um, of the of the intentional skill building we've done. So appreciate you being my partner in that. Appreciate the people for all the, the support and the love. You know what I'm saying? Um, and the other organizations, of course, that we've been able to spotlight and partner with. Uh, it's been an amazing journey of building community and only more dope, fly, stylish content to come. Definitely. And what I wanted to ask you as a fan of Miles Xavier, because I see you over here in this shot where you're you're speaking to what seems to be a room full of people. Uh, the camera's on you. The microphone is on you. Uh, the words are important. What what goes through your mind when you're in a space like this? And what do you do to be as cool, calm, collected as you are in those types of situations? Uh, I, I wish I had like a very like clear cut regimen to provide people because because I need that. And I think that would be that would be helpful. But I don't really have that. Um, what I do have is I try and be present. Uh, I try and 
take deep breaths. Uh, I try and listen to the people and the messages that are coming before me. If there's, there's a lineup of speakers and I try and remind myself that in the work that I do, at least often it's not about me, right? I get to share information that people need to hear. I get to big up other organizations that are doing amazing things. Um, I get to announce that resources are being provided. Um, and in other cases, right, I have to I have to try and hold it down when things are tough and, and chaotic. But rarely, it's it's um, it's never about me. And so sometimes that's a helpful thought to say people aren't up there critiquing me. They're not thinking about how I look. Well, they're thinking about the content that I'm gonna deliver. So let me deliver that. Let me put my focus on that and not on myself. How I feel like I'm coming off. I gotta give this information and provide that. So um, in that way, it's it's often helpful to just decenter myself decenter yourself that's what's pretty cool about the impact space is that it, there is the comfort that what you're talking about is not really about you and if you're and you can dive so deep into that feeling of not being about you that the anxiety that you usually get from public speaking is replaced with a certain excitement and um determination to get a story out because you are being compelled by what you care about. So in the impact space, in this particular shot over here, I was speaking about job employment and what it means to be able to create jobs in South Africa, where there's the highest unemployment rates in the world, 34% of South Africans are unemployed. Um, and being able to, being able to deliver that message is more important than what I think I look or sound like at that moment. There you go. There you go. And also trying to enjoy it, right? Like that's the other really positive um, externality, I guess, of like working in a community and working in the impact spaces. You're often working with people that, um, at least I find myself working with people that inspire me, people that I really do want their perspective. I really do want to engage them in conversation, right? And so that kind of helps take away some of the nerves if I'm like, let me put my energy into this person and to this, whoever I get to speak in and hear talk, right? Like, or whether that's engaging with the audience, right? Or just appreciating if you were there for a celebratory moment, right? Or, or if, like, it's just, just be, I, be present is, is, and is one of the best advices I can give because when you're really doing this work, like, it's hard. And the, the moments that are beautiful and the moments that where you really get to, to speak to people are the moments that will help you carry through the days where you just grinding it out. Right. So. A lot of, a lot of grind in the work of impact. There's getting up, showing up for people, um, over committing yourself at times to commitments that are unmissable, sometimes overlapping them. Uh, the, there's a lot to it because the scale of the problems that need to get handled are so big. They're so big and there's no, point where you can feel like man I've, I've done enough i heard you after what would be considered a rather successful year in the center of violence and youth prevention in the sense that you guys were able to execute on some of the objectives that you had for the community um still you you couldn't rest and enjoy it you're like man there's look at the numbers this year there's still so much work to be done you know i think uh a critical part of 
having a mindset that will allow for longevity in this work is understanding that oftentimes you're fighting a fight that you won't see the end of. Right. And that doesn't mean that you gotta, I mean, that doesn't, I'm not, that's not even a conversation about being willing to die for the cause is a different one, but I'm, I'm speaking more in the sense of that the fight is long and that we stand on the shoulders of people that fought before us. Right. That one accomplished things that they never thought they would be able to dream of. Right. But two, also, we're fighting for things that the fight continued after they passed, right? So I'm always rooted in the gratitude for the the tools we have, right? And the people and the resources and the elders that have done the work that I get to learn from um, and just being there in that space and time and, and realizing that it will never be enough, right? I don't really believe that we're going to achieve the type of equality, the type of um, equity, equality, peace, safety, security, uh, access, right, to basic needs, certainly not globally, but even in the nations and spaces that we love and care about. So I'm already, my mindset is has become one of how can I create the best type of environment I can for the for the young people I'll bring into this world, my children and the, the youth that I mentor. And how can I give them the tools to carry this fight forward um, based on what I know and what I've learned from the people that came before me? Do you really do you really believe we won't reach a point where that that type of equality that you speak of, you don't think we can reach a point where that is shared around the world? In my lifetime? I yeah. don't know, cuz. I don't know, cuz. I mean, like, I want to be as optimistic as possible, but when I see the ways in which countries that have even eliminated, that have a high quality of life, right, relative to other countries, continue to make intentional choices, whether through government or whether through, like, the perpetuation of social norms that we refuse to unlearn, that marginalized people, that hurt people, that choose financial gain and the accrual of wealth for small groups of people over what's good for the masses. So I think, I don't know if all of that can be undone the world over in the time that I have left, but I think we can definitely, like I said, call these issues out, start to build frameworks that analyze what works in addressing them, what doesn't, and leave the records of that for those that pick the fight up after. The reason why I don't agree with that is because we have the resources to be able to fix things. If we look at agricultural uh, food food shortage and agricultural produce, for a uh, for a great extent, and we've covered this in a previous episode, the re- it's not the fact that there's not enough food in the world for us to be able to solve poverty is just a a, def- a defect in the system that. The defect of the system where those countries are. It's usually a, a war-related reason or a policy-related reason that stops agricultural, uh, that creates poverty, food poverty in some of these, in a lot of these countries. So when you look at that, by an adjustment of a policy, it would be quite easy, or by a solu- an outside solution into something, it would be quite easy to solve that issue. So I don't, I think the world is caring more and Big corporations are continuously being forced in order to do the right thing and report 
that right thing that they're doing for us to understand. And I think it's going to pick up in time and we might be, we might get to that place, but it's going to take everybody to participate, bro. It's going to take everybody to participate. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are disincentivized to participate, right? When you say you feel like the, it would be easy. It's not an issue that there aren't enough resources to go around. There are issues of war and poverty, right? But what, what creates war and poverty? There's usually a financial reason behind that. Right. And so I, I think there, I think as long as the people that hold the power, it's not necessarily in their best interest to redistribute their resources in the ways that you speak of. I think we continue to be stalled in our pursuit of real meaningful change. Right. And so I think those systems, I think it's going to take years to break down the systems that incentivize people to, like I said, prioritize their own financial gain over the type of, democratic sharing of resources that you're talking about because otherwise it would be we would have done it if it was truly easy <laughs> you know what i'm saying we would we would be doing it already smarter minds than you and i you know what i'm saying i've tried i think there's a compounding effect when it comes to when it comes to the scale of impact that can be done and the more people that work towards it the easier it becomes and the world that i would like to believe in is one that's moving towards that and everyone contributing contributing in some aspect um towards that goal i i feel like we agree on what we believe can happen i think we just believe on the time it's going to take to get everybody involved I'm blessed to hang around a whole bunch of people and be inspired by people that have devoted their lives to this. You, including you, my brother. But I also know a whole bunch of people that ain't doing nothing, that ain't on nothing, right? And that's like, and and I think it's not it's not hard to convince the people that understand the issues because they are subject to them. But I think, I think. Well, maybe what I'm being cynical about is how long it takes to convince people who already feel like their lives are all right and want to be just left alone by social issues that it's in their best interest to contribute to ev- addressing all the social issues that everybody else is feeling. That's why it's so important to share the work that people are doing. That's why we take this platform so seriously. That's why we created this platform is to highlight the people that are doing that work with the hope that somebody else who's interested in doing the same thing could find that inspirational, can find that as an outlet because there is no minimum requirement for, for, for helping someone. You, there's no, there's nothing that's too small when it's being, when it comes to helping people, you know, every, every little bit counts. So yeah, man, that's why we highlight. That's why we highlight the folks that we choose to highlight. That's why we are continuously trying to build a, a space where we can echo those voices. And I think everyone it's innate in us to be able to help. And everyone could, if they understood the full scope of their options or have, or have a tangible idea of what it would look like to help in a way that would interest them. And then my bad, my bad. I was too high. Nah, go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) I was going to say, and it's fly, bro. And it's fly. Some of the most feel goodness, 
fun dancingness like times that I've had have been out at events where people are gathered together to help, to serve, to to build each other up just in community, right? Intentionally. Um it's really, really fly. And I think that's there's an intentionality to that that we bring with our channel, with our content too, of just highlighting that that this is it's it's fun. I'm having the best time of my life. So let's start doing stuff for other people. <laughs> that's true. That's true. This big gratitude that comes along with this and how we show that gratitude on this show is by dedicating ourselves to unpacking dope content for y'all on a segment that we call Stumblepunk. Kids official sliding on the instrumental Nordic combos, twisted mental like forbidden jitsu's my clicks initial. I had an amazing time during the World Cup hosted in Brazil. I was in Colombia at the time. And my God, you couldn't tell that the World Cup wasn't being hosted in Colombia. If you were in Colombia on the streets at that time, you would have thought the World Cup was being hosted there because of how live it was, right? We had everything but the stadium with the soccer in it. We had crowds in the streets. We had vendors in the streets. We had flags. We had jerseys. And ever since then, because I got to go through uh, a university uh, a job. Shout out to ISEC, man. You know, enabling all types of um, fun, learning, and debauchery. Y'all know what y'all know. Uh, and it was a, it was this incredible opportunity. And ever since then, I've always thought, man, like, one of the biggest, like, bucket list things is I want to go with my homies to the World Cup. You one of those homies, man. Will you come? Will you go with me to the World Cup? I'll definitely go with you to the World Cup, especially if it's in Colombia. Now, on that Colombia point, Miles, because the vulnerable are powerful on this show, um, explain to us what you got up to in Colombia celebrating the World Cup. Actually, we we are never everything relate back to impact on this show. I was actually there um, as a part of an internship. Because, one, I thought I was a Spanish minor. I didn't have my credits aligned, right? So, again, shouting out to all the students, make sure the classes you take and the credits align add up for you to graduate. I was just taking mad Spanish classes thinking I was a Spanish minor, but you had to take specific ones, right? I had the amount of credits, but not the right credits. I digest. <clears throat> I was like, so we went over there and we were actually part of an internship that was supporting... Um, nonprofits. So one of them was called Juelitas de Amor, which is, is, is translates to Paw Prince of Love, which was um, actually there's a, actually a huge stray dog issue in Bogota specifically in Colombia and in a, in a few other cities as well. But like people just kind of, you know, have dogs, have pets, let them go as life transitions mean that they are unable to care for the animals. Lots of stray dogs. We were trying to help us shelter um, increase its reach, increase people's awareness so that people would know kind of when you see a stray dog, what can you do? Can you call the shelter? How do you have to wait? Like kind of create a, a protocol 
Um, we also helped an, a couple of other nonprofits in the area, but that was the project that I was closest to and cared the most about. Shout out to the puppy lovers out there, right? Um, so that was Fly. And also, I got to explore Bogota, uh, Tarona, uh, Medellin, and you know, it was it was an amazing time. I was with a whole bunch of cool folks. Shout out to Esteban um, that I still talk to. Man, uh, I need to visit Mexico City to highlight some of the homies that I met over there. Um, it was amazing, though. And you can tell the way my brother says Medellin and Bogota that he's about he's really about that Spanish life. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying. I, I need to do more immersion, right? So, Colombia, I'm coming back. But this year's World Cup is in Qatar. Now, I ain't saying I don't want to go, but we can't. It's too expensive. There's a lot. We'll get into it. Why? There's a lot going on with this, this specifically year's World Cup. But before we get into all of that, I just wanted to... As, as somebody who's going to join me on our journey whenever we do get to go to a World Cup, I wanted to get a little bit of your background on football. Did you play as a kid? Were you in leagues? Are you any good now? Like, is it a part of your life? Do you body people on FIFA? What's up? <laughs> so the last time I actually played sports, uh, that I actually played football like uh, as an, on a sports team was in fifth grade in grade five. And... We had a, we, I was in a boarding school at the time. And at the time, the boarding school had a mixture of kids that were coming from um, homes and shelters and um, orphanages. And there was like a scheme to house those kids in the boarding. So we all were in boarding school together. And uh, <laughs> I was so excited to put on these new soccer shoes that my pops had bought me. And as I put them on, went onto the field, played, didn't play particularly well when I got off. He goes, man, uh, one of the kids goes, man. I hate these kids with new shoes that can't play. <laughs> that hurts. That hurts. Yo, because as you get older, you realize everybody's thinking it. You can't, if you got some fly shoes, and if your shorts match your shoes, and if your shorts and shoes match your socks, you better have some moves. <laughs> if not, no, no. <laughs> you're definitely getting clowned. That was the last time I, I I wore I played soccer for a professional team. So having moved around and spent a lot of times in in the U.S. and outside of uh, huge soccer cities, I've always gravitated more towards uh, basketball than soccer. But soccer is a global sport, and football, depending on which part of the world you're in, because if you're in the U.K. and you say soccer instead of football, that those are fighting words. Those are those are clear fighting words, and so. That just speaks to how how the world feels about soccer. So at this particular World Cup that you're speaking about, when you were in Bogota, I was celebrating uh, in South Africa, which also hosted the World Cup a few years prior to that. Uh, so And I was able to, to be there, had the privilege and opportunity of going to watch at the finals, box seats, <gasps> box seats, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> See, you live in my dreams right now, like... That, how was that? That must have been crazy. That was great. That was great. And, you know, had a great time at that World Cup. But afterwards, there were a lot of things that came up about how the World Cup was put together. There was a big scandal involving Sepp Blatter, who was the president at the time in 2015. A huge FIFA scandal about corruption and mismanagement of funds was beginning to brew about the organization. 
Um, and there's the iconic picture where someone throws a bunch of dollar bills at Sepp Blatter and the and they're falling on him at the height of his corruption charges. Just kind of uh, life imitating art in a way, um, and just showing a, this this blatant corruption that was at the core of the FIFA tournament. So after that, it's been hard to look at that organization the same because you understand like okay, there's clearly a a, a deep uh, dark corruption that happens in these organizations and that always spills out into the countries where they decide to land on. Mm. Mm. And such is the concern in Qatar, right? So after a lot of uh, back and forth, Russia being excluded from consideration over the war in Ukraine, uh, it was determined that the 22 World Cup, 2022 World Cup would be in Qatar. 1.2 million people are expected to pull up in Doha, right? That's crazy. That's a lot. (laughs) That is a, that's a city moving to a city. That's nuts. Right? Like y'all all all about to have new neighbors. They're building eight (laughs) stadiums for this John. Right. Um, But they haven't released a lot of the hotels. They've, Oh, that's fire. Mm -hmm. Yo, we, we got to black and white that and make that a print. Shout out to the YouTube audience. um, Seeing this iconic picture of, can you say who that was again? That's fire. This this is Sip Blatter, who is the president of the president of FIFA. So this is the image where they're throwing money at him at a conference at the height of his corruption scandals, where it was found that FIFA was taking bribes in order to decide which countries, um, in order to decide which countries they were going to play at, also which sponsorships they were going to take on. You know, these are huge multi-billion dollar lucrative marketing deals that they have and so there was a lot of malfeasance if you will about the the fifa organization this is a cool picture i should definitely make it onto our merch and we already got chills in the comments yo big facts big facts but what should which hula gang shout out the hula gang out here but what we need is that black and white right with with the word uh, malfeasance underneath it as a shirt. That's what we need. That's going to be all the way live merch, big facts. So, but the reason there be so much malfeasance, right? Right. And corruption and schemage behind all of these, these, uh, these practices and these picking of who's going to be there is that it's a huge opportunity, right? Uh, to the homies in the U S it's like where the Super Bowl going to be. You already know that it's going to be popping. A lot of the businesses and restaurants around there are going to have a huge opportunity to make revenue, right? What's crazy, though, in Qatar, drinking alcohol is usually limited to hotels and private homes. They are going to ease that up for the World Cup. You know what I'm saying? Uh, And there also are some considerations around some other human rights issues in Qatar that they're um, under pressure to alleviate in advance of the world cup which means they got to get their stuff together so that kind of brings this interesting question to the forefront of like it's a huge opportunity for any country that gets it um and it seems like it can also be used as a carrot now in this day and age even as you said where people care more right to like clean up your act um but do we believe that that's really happening and should we and, and is that a is that an appropriate thing to do, right? Is to use the World Cup as a carrot to countries and say, hey, get this in order and maybe you can host. So part of the Olympic effect that you see happen that FIFA has also been accused of 
is that they require countries to make massive investments into the infrastructure to accommodate all the people that are coming but a lot of the times after the people have left uh these infrastructure the infrastructure becomes dilapidated um you you see a lot of loss in capital um the studies that are showing that in fact having these events hosted in your country doesn't um break you into the into the green is that a lot of countries actually lose money by accommodating these massive events more than they do gain money coming from them um although it is a good marketing opportunity for a country uh, it, the returns on it aren't necessarily fully profitable if you will and so ramadan uh, Ram- uh mubarak ramadan mubarak there you go to to our to our folks because ramadan started a few days ago so in speaking about the uae in speaking about now qatar and then them lifting the alcohol ban that they have on one end it's a good thing because it's more inclusive and people have options but then um on the other hand you're right it does pose a bit of a uh, a bit of a, a an issue i guess yeah they got a couple issues on their hands real talk um there actually already questions about the treatment of workers right um both for the staffing of events that they will hold that they will hold as well as questions of how workers have been treated during the prior construction, right? They have this beautiful stadium, one of their eight that they're building that's already created. The air condition is in there on full blast, you know, keeping everything crispy. But there are some questions about some of the workers and some of the treatment um, and even uh, issues that workers might have been injured and that they're not coming out about, right? Um, So there's that. There's also the fact that there's laws in Qatar that criminalize homosexuality. So it's making people feel like, well, and I get, and I feel them, right? If <laughs> if there was a place that said, hey, no hip hop podcasting, social, uh, you know, uplift dudes allowed, oh, but you could come for this one event. I don't know if I would really be inclined to engage them and go to that one event. I think I might be scared, right? And so they're saying the statement from from the government uh, is in the in the planning board is that everyone is welcome. But Loki, that ain't even specific enough. I need you to tell me that nobody will be hurt. <laughs> Everyone is welcome is not specific enough. That's the name of the podcast. Yo. But I like I like what you're speaking about in terms of the employment and the workers there, which speaks to the comment that we have, which is what human rights law are they going to ease up on? So the main human rights law that is being impacted or offended right now is the worker safety and worker health last they checked over a hundred workers have died in qatar in the preparation of the world cup so over that that's true that's true so over that time a lot of these workers are people that are coming in from um coming in from uh malaysia coming in from india coming in from uh some of the, the the Asian countries moving into work in Qatar and Dubai, both places have a, a wide international worker um, worker population. So a lot of the people that are dying are not people from Qatar. It's actually people from India um, forced to work in these rather harsh conditions. One of the human rights issues within that region is also abuse to women, which is something that happens quite often. Domestic abuse also runs quite high in those areas. So there, there, there is, there is a lot to, to take in, but the one thing that does stand out 
is how many people have lost their lives while preparing for this World Cup, which is sparking a lot of talk and outrage, which happened before COVID. People were speaking up on it that um, there's, there's blood, that blood is what covers this next World Cup. Man. Well, I'm glad we ain't book our tickets for this one. <laughs> I'm just saying. But, like, that's that's I didn't I didn't have the the full numbers on on how many people had passed um as a part of this like that's inexcusable that's crazy and that does make it hard to want to support this um what's supposed to be a joyous event like you said much like the Olympics where countries are coming together and people are coming together um not always peacefully we'll get into that in a minute in the hooliganism aspect but that is that hurts to hear, man. That hurts to hear. Um, what do we? What do we? What's? What do we do in the face of that? What do we do when we know an event like this is attached to something so horrible? Do we protest? Do we not watch? Do we? That's trash. What we can do is bring it up over here on the All the Way Live podcast. Research it give it to the people and those that are active in those areas will have more information about it. Um, that's the, that's, that's, that's the most you can do. And the biggest protest you can do is the protest with your money. I, I say the biggest thing you can do is withhold your money from capitalism uh, or from whatever it is that's going to take into whatever it is that's going to uh, feed into that system. Just protest with your cash. Don't go. Wow. We got Black Beanie's way on the podcast today. He said, withhold <laughs> your cash from the capitalist system. We are we are making progress on this podcast. And he's absolutely right, man. That's what that's what we do is we talk about it. Uh, you got to know to be a hypocrite, baby. So now you know what you're going to do. We don't know what we're going to do. Put it in the comments. Like, subscribe, hit us up. Man, it gets deep. It gets deep. But we ain't done with this football segment because check this out, man. The other thing they got to watch out for, in addition to making sure that they have everything correct with their infrastructure and whatnot, is that people take this sport very seriously now. Like, people get very uh, spirited, very... uh, It goes there over football, man. It goes there, right? There's been... An escalation even in football-related violence, like, over the past few years. Um, And it's resulted in some pretty, like, horrifying events. I think this one that you got pulled up uh, is from La Liga. Um, This was, like, a few months ago uh, in Mexico. Um, Two of the teams, Atlas and uh, Caratado, got into it. Uh, And, like... It's, it, this isn't a this isn't a one-off instance, right? Last summer at the championship final in Wembley, things got crazy, things got hectic. Um, this is a thing in football, apparently. What do you know of this? Well, I'm in the United Kingdom, sir. Uh, this is the home of soccer hooligans, if you will. And what I know is that once I touched down over here and I saw the type of fandom these people have around here, I immediately booked myself for a boxing class and have since been training like Rocky, <laughs> just in case. I've been running upstairs. Oh. I've probably been, I've been, I, I am the tiger again since I saw the type of fun these boys like having around here. 
And quite frankly, I don't know if I can say I'm the biggest fan, but I do understand the culture element of it. And so in this particular story that we're looking at in La Liga, you had 60 people that were injured. I believe eight people were dead. Something similar like this happened in South Africa, not for hooliganism, but it was overcrowding at a stadium and a bunch of people were trampled and passed away. So specifically with the with, with the hooligan aspect of it, 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 it's terrifying, dude. As a black man in the United Kingdom watching it, it it's quite terrifying for me, which is why. Say, no, say more about that. Say more about that. Because there's a connection. It's, it's, like, go ahead. It's because it's it's because there's a spillover of the 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 line between violence and fun is very thin. It's very very thin, and when it spills over, it doesn't always discriminate who it's going to spill over to. So you'll have people that are leaving the bar just very very intoxicated and. Their idea of fun is fighting, and a lot of those people tend to gravitate towards hooligan teams. Bro, <laughs> there's a there was a bus. There were buses outside of where I stayed next to the train station that was organizing for soccer hooligans to go to some to some sports game, and I was laughing because I was saying. Bro, hooligans have a group chat and then there's order and they get onto ah. a bus and have teams. There's somebody that's taking sizes for hooligans t-shirts because they all have shirts. Big facts. Big facts. Yo, check out there's a Vice documentary called Rivals on um on this the kind of rivalry in in Serbia between its two top soccer teams called the Eternal Derby. It's nuts, but somebody is definitely taking t-shirt sizes. Somebody is definitely letting people know there's flyers. It's very organized, right? Um, And on the one hand, that's cool, bro. Like, create community around the things that you care about, for sure. Um, But there's this other element where that's dangerous, and you're putting people at risk, and specifically with, with football hooliganism, it's like, you got kids that are 10, 12, 13 in these crowds. Um, and it actually, like, watching the footage and doing research for a lot of this stuff, it actually reminded me of what happened uh, at Astro World, right? Where you got people, like, knocking over gates, right? You got people rushing, trying to get through the ticket counters. Um, you got fights breaking out, right? You got all of this fueled by alcohol and drugs in the mix, right? Especially, like, I'm thinking of the um, the championships at Wembley. And it's like, I'm all for having fun. I'm all for turning up. Started this whole segment by saying, I want to be at these events, right? But how do we draw a line? How do we create some type of agreements of where how we're going to interact with each other, how we're going to engage with each other, and how we're going to look out for each other at this type of, you know what I mean? I want to go here with with you, my friends, and my girl, but what, you know what I mean? When people are throwing trash cans and glass bottles, right? Like, how do we create a safe situation? A lot of it is also fueled by COVID. Let's not forget that we've been cooped up and different countries have taken COVID differently, but a lot of the world was shut down for a long time. So you're seeing a lot of pent-up post-COVID energy that's showing itself. And a lot of people that have gone to some of these festivals have spoken about the the mania that comes from it, which is also to no shock 
you know, understanding the type of uh, the type of mental health issues that arose from us being in COVID as well. So recently there was a video of, of someone that pulled a gun on Mike Tyson at a comedy show. And clearly as this person was doing it, you could tell one, they were too excited in the moment, but two, that person wasn't of, of mental sound. So it, you know, that's how it's manifesting itself. Like there's a, a hype to being outside and then, Sometimes it spills over like this and like Astroworld, like you said. That's nuts. But I mean, this 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 is this is all information for the for the organizers, yo. Like I, I really hope that the folks that are in charge of planning, um, that's the problem with this being such a opportunity, even though you said it leaves a lot of countries in the red, clearly a lot of countries go after it, um, see it as a as a mark of some type of status right and so i really hope that everybody who's involved in the planning the organizing of this event uh is preparing for anything and everything that might go down right like we there's no surprise right like we've seen this type of thing happen over and over i just hope that everybody gets to have a safe good time um and that it don't it don't have to go that far right that that i just Man, yo, yeah, prayers to the people that's that's going into it. Um, it makes me think, man. It makes me think because the 2026 World Cup is supposed to be in the USA, Canada, or Mexico. So this is coming this side. And I want to engage in it. I want to have fun. But like I said, man, like, I want to be able to do it safely. I don't want to have to risk being arrested, being involved in a fight, or involved anybody I bring to that space being hurt. It's crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. And sliding perfectly into um, our current news topic, um, speaking of hurting things adversely, we're about to get into uh, microplastics that were found in the human bloodstream. So let's get into it. Yo, can I just say shout out to Irrelevant Bobby for that beat and also allowing us to spotlight him on our um, spotlight section this week on our Instagram page, the Lifehouse page. I love the fact that we get to bring in every segment with some of those beats, man. Yeah, that's fire. That's fire. It definitely adds a, an aesthetic to the show, a vibe. And for it to be one of the homies is can't do better than that. Can't do better than that. Check out Irrelevant Poppy uh, on Bandcamp. Yeah, you got to go to Bandcamp. Yeah, it's worth it. Do it. <laughs> Definitely worth it. Definitely worth it. So over the weekend, Miles, there was some studies that were finally concluded, done in Yale, where they found traceable amounts of microplastics in our uh, bloodstream, which is not the FIFA World Cup. <laughs> no, for sure not good um it ain't safe outside <laughs> it ain't safe inside <laughs> our bodies it ain't safe nowhere i'm very upset all right i don't want plastic in my blood i i want to be a real boy <laughs> <laughs> well you, you're about to be a plastic boy soon is what the science is telling us the plastic boy is also a nasty term but What's happening is that they're finding a lot more of these very small pieces of plastic in our bloodstream. Now, there were traceable contents 
of uh, byparties of plastic chemicals, things like BPA, which is what is used to make plastic bottles see-through. Um, those traces were found in about 93% of the people that were tested. So we already had traces of um, associative products, but now actually finding these smaller uh, pieces of microplastic in our bloodstream. So it's literally the pollution that we've been doing is getting into our bodies and into our blood. Um, that is trash. Literally. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and there's it's messed up because like as i looked into this right um i'm like where is this all coming from because first of all i didn't understand right like i'm like plastic microplastic is this like an off um this is a byproduct of recycling but what it actually turns out is that there are really really tiny plastic particles that are often used in cosmetics it's often used in makeups and shower gels and all that type of stuff that is one like straight up source of just tiny plastic particles. Um, and another one is that the bigger stuff like bottles and all of that breaks down. It, it's really hard to, for it to decompose a lot of that stuff. And it ends up breaking down into these tiny, tiny particles and we ingest them in the air and our food um, and, and through like lip gloss and tattoo ink. And that gives me the heebie jeebies. I don't like to think that there are little plastic bits floating around me, in me. It feels like one of them going to get caught in something that's not supposed to. I don't know if I'm like developing hypochondria on air in real time right now, but this is really not good. I don't like it. I did not know that they were also in tattoos. And as somebody with tattoos, that is quite scary. Now I'm going to have to ask my tattoo artist, hey man, are these microplastics free? Is they Jacob? Don't lie to me, man. <laughs> that's real. That's yo. You want to know another crazy fact that I heard while researching this? And researching this has become like I stopped watching horror movies and scary stuff because the research on this is enough on what's really going on in the world. I'm straight up. The average person inhales enough plastic every week to create a credit card. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. That's nasty. That's that's. Ridiculous. I'm sorry, audience, that y'all have to know that. That's in your brains now. But, like, this is an issue. This is horrible. <laughs> that is crazy. I, 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 did not, I did not see that in any of the research that I did. That, that's a lot. And a lot of the reason why, outside of just inhaling, a lot of the reason why we're finding it is also because of the pollution that's going into the water. So a lot of pollution moves into the water and the fish start to eat it. It gets into the fish, and then you know they're taking on these micro microplastics, and then we ingest that, and it goes into our system. So it speaks towards now the type of pollution that's happening in the oceans, which is predicted that by 2050 there'll be more plastic in the ocean than there are fish in the ocean. <laughs> that's oh, man. <laughs> I'll, uh... <laughs> this is this is really awful because all I have is more depressing facts on this side. I'm be like, yes, way that's terrible. And also, did you know that the Great Pacific Garbage Patch is twice the size of Texas? That's a real thing. That's horrible. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm glad. I'm Go glad. We've got, I'm glad we got the comment section to be able to share some of the thoughts that uh, some of the thoughts and best reactions towards this dude. Definitely. A credit card is, is some wild, <laughs> wild fact. And that the great uh, garbage patch that you speak of is that large. And so what we know about that 
is uh, uh, it's a, a, an area in the Pacific, specifically where there's been just a, a serious amount of trash that ends up just kind of collecting into that area. So it gets pushed over time, uh, gets pushed over time and kind of floats and gravitates towards that area. It is twice the size of Texas. And it is said that into that area alone, there is a garbage truck of plastic that gets collected in it every hour. Yeah, that's ridiculous, bro. That's ridiculous. So we could go on into how this affects marine life and how this affects, you know, us as people. But what do we do, man? What do we do? All right. I go to work. I see the different plastic bottle receptacles. I try and put the plastic bottle in the bottle. I try and recycle. You know what I mean? Like, is what like this seems like such a big, huge problem that I don't even know how to how to approach it. And what do you got for me? <laughs> <laughs> Solve the plastic in the ocean problems, right? Fix it. <laughs> well, for for one, it's always cool, important to look at where these things come from and how these problems have come about and understanding that a lot of the plastic that we're speaking about is packaging. 40% of plastics that is found in the ocean is packaging related. But where it becomes complicated is when you understand that um, carbon and some of the some of the not carbon cotton cotton bags and some of the replacement and alternatives for plastic actually have more damage on the environment than plastic would have. Um, it would take say seven thousand to ten thousand uses of a single cotton bag in order for it to offset the impact that it had on the environment. I got so you. Some of the alternatives are are rather it's not as it's not as easy as that. But we do know where the pollution is coming from, and that is also always a good place to start. Countries like China, India, um, Algeria, our country Turkey are countries that contribute a lot to the pollution in the oceans. Yeah, big facts. It's tough because I hear what you're saying. That's a that's a that's not a one-off thing, right? It means that in order to really have effect, you have to make a true commitment. Um, shout out to Aldi, which I think is a German grocery store or a Swedish grocery store. But essentially, what they do is they make you bring your own bag. You can't. They don't have bags for you. You're gonna carry your stuff out in your arm if you got bags. But what it's forced me to do is that's the number one grocery store that I go to and I have mad bags in my car. And that is a transition that I've made to even now when I go to regular grocery stores because they charge seven cents for a bag in Chicago. You messed up. You're going to lose people, Chicago. It's already happening. It's bogus. But I bring these bags with me and that's that's become a habit. We got to make it. We got to flip it to a habit. Some spaces are trying to make it a part of their policy, right? Uh, Concord, Massachusetts here in the U.S. was the first city to ban single-use plastic water bottles. Like, literally ban water bottles, right? Um, San Diego, where our homie Will lives, shout out to Drink Booch Not Beer, was the first city to ban styrofoam and eating and drinking containers. So cities are trying to, to take steps to eliminate this type of waste. But as you said, the replacements have their own issues too, um, especially if they get thrown away and end up in landfills. So to me, as I was looking through this, I was like trying to take deep breaths and be like, all right, what can we do? All right. Um, one, get informed, right? Know what's going on. Know what the things in your, ha- in your life are that are the 
the biggest things that you keep throwing away? Do you keep throwing away plastic bags? Do you keep throwing away that certain food container from that spot? Like, maybe you got to switch it up. If you recycle, if you don't recycle, try to start recycling. If you already recycle, look into composting, right? That's how you take all the food products and stuff. You, you compost it so that you have an even smaller environmental footprint and you're taking care of your own trash in your own house, making sure it don't go to a landfill. If you're already composting, you can get involved with sites like or organizations like the one that my brother has pulled up here, right? Uh, this is C-Save. What's going on here, bro? This is a, a suggestion from the comments section. Check out clean up ocean cleanup project so thanks for that look uh sharing it here they accept donations uh ocean cleanup project so they are a host of different a host of different organizations that are doing this work the what's also what's kind of ter- what's kind of terrifying about what we're learning about the plastic in our bloodstream is that we're not fully sure about what the effects of it are so science hasn't yet been able to determine the specific impact. However, some of the byproducts, like BPA, for instance, um, are known to have hormone uh, impact on our hormonal systems, and that there's been linkages to that and the ability to have sperm production, and uh, it really does impact your down unders. You're a mad professional person, bro. I did. I that the research led me to the, that that. Area as well. (laughs) (laughs) The research led you to the taint as well. Yeah, me too. Yeah, the things you do for the show. I was looking at, I was looking at bad taints (laughs) for this show. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you for speaking truth to power right there. (laughs) One day that sentence there is gonna get me in a lot of trouble. I can feel it. (laughs) I was looking Uh, at bad takes. It's gonna come back to haunt me. (laughs) No cap. You explained it. You explained it so well in terms of the effects that it can possibly have on us. I'm glad that you brought it back to behind the scenes, but we have to go through so that you don't have to go through that. Um, that's nuts, but yeah, man. Shout out to shout out to Chills. Shout out to the comment section for for providing some uh, some information for the people. Sea Save. There's also the Ocean Cleanup. Um, they call themselves the because they serious. The Ocean Cleanup. I think they sourced out of the Netherlands. Um, they're an ambitious group that's really invested in this work. There's Team Seas, I think, which is based out of the USA. So wherever you at on the map, get in the know, get involved. At least start recycling. Be more conscious of it. Um, because the more people see you do it, the more people are going to think about doing it themselves. So we all have a small, small part to play. Um, we're going to try and play that part on the All The Way Live podcast. As we do so well. Now, we have a favorite section of this show. The favorite section of the show that tends to get the most amount of likes, tends to get the most amount of views, tends to get the most amount of people talking about it. What section is that, Mr. Miles? That, that wreck and review. Let's get into it. Yo. What does it mean when a label's collab projects be the best projects even other artists that they got on the label. So what do you mean by that? I think I like this. I know well for sure I know I like this better than Jizz last album. 
I know I like it better than Kai's last album. I know I like it better than Boss last album. I know I like it better than Earth Gang last album. You know? Cold. Time will tell. The offseason was pretty good. But this space is one of my favorite to hear this artist, the all of these artists in this collaborative space. And it's really, that's really interesting because what does that mean for them as individual artists or pairings? Hopefully it means that they get better. Definitely some of Jid's, the Pete, the sounds of his that I've liked the most have come off of this album. Um, particularly the intro track stick with Kenny Mason Shaq West and a cold feature at the end to top it off. Uh, Jid clearly stands out as uh, stands out as something special within the sound of within the sound of Dreamville. So, as you said, his last his last album wasn't particularly um, well received. DiCaprio too, obviously, he had a standout uh, piece of of work in uh, Never Story. But you're right; a lot of these people do their best shining when they're working together. And I also just got to shout out that in terms of the st- the standout people that we took from this album, Ari Lennox is another one. Ari might be like, is Ari Dreamville? Uh, she's she's in she's in the the vills of my dreams. Let, let me take this time to speak directly to her. Hey, Ari, <laughs> Zoe here. Uh, here at All the Way Live, what we do is deliver carefully curated content, and I love to get together to discuss a bit of that. Uh, thanks for the opportunity, Miles. I appreciate you. Got to clear out the paint. When your boy's going to work, <laughs> isolation, you got to clear out the paint. That's all you got to do. Ari Lennox is the... Ari Lennox is the... I don't want to say underdog, but she is... She's the scissor of Dreamville. And the reason why we even bring the scissor element of it is because you cannot speak Dreamville without comparing them to T. D-E. Miles, where is your savior? Where is your God? Where is Kendrick? And where is TDE? Uh Kendrick, I don't I don't know if Kendrick rap no more. I don't know if Kendrick rap no more is my stance. But I, I would say that uh I'm was super happy to see Reason on this project, right? They have a relationship. He's been on the last couple of Revenge of the Dreamers tapes and efforts. And so to see him still have a have a place and to see that that relationship even from a competition standpoint, a friendly artist collaboration standpoint is still there. Um, I, I really, that's one of my, the tracks that, that I thought was one of the more creative uh, joints. This project, I, I feel it's so interesting. I got to say that I like it because I don't want to get to get misconstrued that I don't like it. But there's a few things about it. I already mentioned that the artists work better together, but also like, was it not a lot of gun bars on this on this project for the backpack rap squad? Did you feel that at all? I mean, if we take the title track "Stick" at <laughs> at first day value, um, definitely the, there is. But if you if you speak to the caliber of of the type of artist that is in that Dreamville camp, it doesn't feel like cap it just feels like um it just feels like good old hip-hop and what i do like is how cole is managing the talent on this team and the fact that he chooses to to play ball on the team and not lead all the way from the back stepping up where he needs to competing where he needs to and low-key still dominating still dominating cole when cole 
Cole's verses are the best verses on each of these songs. And that's been the case on almost all of the collaborative projects. Um, there is Revenge of the Dreamers. This, this, the, is the Revenge of the Dreamers series, one and two. And three. The last one is three, isn't it? Three. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you're absolutely right. Cole shows up and delivers. He doesn't do a lazy, I'm here for my little homies. He really goes in on these tracks, and I, I respect that. Um, but, yeah, again, I just, I'm not, no, I, I ain't in no way, shape, or form putting cap in it. But it was just really interesting to hear, yeah, just the, uh, I'm a fan of gum bars. And I love battle rap. I love New York rap. I love Chicago drill, right? Um, but it was just interesting to see the loops and the causes and the bosses and the earth gangs. Maybe I haven't been super up on this stuff, but to take, to take that tent, it felt like, and, for, and I ain't even going to say it didn't work. Like it was like, this is one of my favorite of their collab projects, but I just noticed that. in just in terms of like, there's so much different stuff to rap about. And we, and we hear from the, YBN Cordays, we hear from the Mick Jenkins, we hear from the Sabas, rapping about all this all this other stuff, the guys that I think of as complimentary to this Dreamville squad. And I just thought that their their content, what choice was interesting, and the fact that it that I, I liked it more than I liked a lot of their other projects was interesting. And I wonder what that means for the game. What were some of your highlights? Um, Stick definitely stands out. Josie Flows by Boss and Earth Gang is dope. Boss was just in Johannesburg and in South Africa not so long ago. Took the uh, took the Earth Gang boys with him. Saw some pictures of them in Cape Town, which is cool to see. You know, man, it's cool to see. I still hold that South Africa, Cape Town is one of the most beautiful places in the world, and you know we have a a great vibe going on in our country. And I think he appreciates that. And he shows that in Josie flows, which is dope. Uh, the Barry, Barry from Simpson was pretty cool. Definitely favorite track that is stick coming out with stick. I feel you. Um, I got that lifestyle with ASAP Ferg really dug that high energy went crazy. Um, I love that coming down with our Lennox. That's fire. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? Uh, I like that. I like that. Uh, balling in Newport. That's an interesting. That's an interesting joint from Omen. Um, and of course, Josie flows. Uh, this is this is a solid project, man. This is a solid project. I. It's it's funny to hear DJ drama all over uh, such a backpack. It was just yeah, there was just certain things about it that were strange, but it worked. Um, I didn't. <laughs> DJ Jama had to bring the line about Chris Rock. I also noticed J. Cole had a, a Jada uh Jada line too. He had, but he didn't mention the slap. He just said, um, bald like Demi Moore in, in 2007, something like that. So it makes me think about whether some of this was edited right before, rewritten, or whatever. But this fire, man. It's fire. I like this tape. I get it's a four out of five. It definitely is a bit uh, it, that that Chris Rock live by DJ Drama was a bit was a bit forced, but I did enjoy the fact that it was a D Day Gangsta Girls mixtape and it had that feel. We grew up in the mixtape area. We grew up with uh, Drama dropping all of uh, dropping all of 
our favorite tapes hosted by DJ Drama. You know, this goes back to Dat Piff days. This goes one to I Am One music days. This goes out to Sound Monkey days. We, you know, all we're all about DJ Drama drops. And so to be able to get this feel back is dope because it's paying homage to uh, it's paying homage to a particular time in hip hop, and that's always a good thing. So you think about what Dreamville is doing; they're paying homage in the right ways that they're supposed to. They're bringing in the right people that they're supposed to, and they're they're for the culture. They're for the culture, and they show that by dropping music, which is our biggest criticism against TDE. So it is cool to see Reason um, working. You know, cool to see Reason breaking that silent artist cloud that tends to fall on TDE folks. But I'll tell you what. If you look at how J. Cole's rapping, you look at how this uh, whole Dreamville squad is rapping, they're trying to prove a point that no matter who it is that can try to come up against them, when they come together, it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to beat them. And we got in the comments, Ballin' in Newport, which is a shout-out track, and Lifestyle is also heat. Yes, sir. We out here, man. Yo, and matter of fact, speaking of TDE's kind of silence, it might be time to start looking at LVRN as like the competition for this squad in terms of putting out music. Very interested to see what that group has uh, to bring to the game. Uh, and man, it was, it was good to hear from uh, Shaq West. Haven't heard from Shaq West in a minute. Uh, it was good to hear two chains rapping, still being able to keep up with, with younger rappers and in, in the new school. Um, this was a fun project. Great Friday release. Uh, and I, and I think there'll be a few of these tracks that last throughout the summer. So uh, again, four out of five with this John and go give it a spin y'all out there that uh stick is quite that, that stick slaps up poles uh but what i was saying is we know we know <laughs> we know that y'all could be anywhere in the world but y'all here with us man we appreciate that uh, this is a celebration of celebrating this is a celebration of life this is a celebration of how good it feels to have new hip-hop don't it feel good way oh nothing nothing's better to a weekend yes sir we hope you got some good music coming out your speakers your headphones your car stereo we hope that it feels amazing to be you in the skin you're in wherever you are at we hope that you are safe we hope that you are healthy uh we hope that you got some plans for self-care in your immediate future but if not at least eat something delicious hug somebody you love like that Peace, water, we gone. Yeah, 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 I get that, I get that, but is we live, though? Is we, like, all the way live, though? You heard?